You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts, Adam Thorne and Mark Hampton. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. What's up, guys? Welcome to the JRE Review Podcast. Uh, I'm Mark Hampton, one of your hosts, joined as always by Adam Thorne, our taskmaster. What's going on, Adam? Not much, buddy. Thanks for joining us, folks. Today we've got... um, a couple of good ones that uh, one is a well they're both based on documentaries we've got podcast 1388 with Louis Sahoyas who made The Cove uh, a very sad movie about Incredibly dolphins sad. that got killed that we all watched what five ten years ago how old is this doc yeah Mark? I went in thinking it was a Pixar film so I was like what the hell is wrong with this <laughs> this yeah, is I think really it was like sad. Disney is, has gone dark. When wait a minute. When do the dolphins rise up and and find their friend and kill the kill the poachers? Absolutely <laughs> no happy ending in that one. Next Zero. up we've got 1389 Chris Cressa who has been on the pod before with with Joe. I I like the way yeah. that he kind of uh brings in his research and his science, and he'll be breaking down the uh, Game Changers documentary, the new vegan documentary that is getting a lot of buzz that uh, Cameron, uh, James Cameron made. James Cameron. Right, so right, So he's right. gone from shitty Terminator movies to Whoa. Uh, maybe hey there. vegan propaganda. Hey there. Well, the, last, the last Terminator was garbage. Did you watch that? Um, I like the first two Terminators, and the rest are all great. Uh, did you see the most recent one? Did you watch? Yeah, that? I watched half of it, and then I oh. didn't. Yeah, I lost. I just couldn't. I couldn't stay with it. It's too upsetting. Yeah. The first two were so good. It hurts my soul to keep watching them now. They're goddamn like classics. I know. I know. Yeah, it's, let Money it die, grab. guys. Let it Money die. Grab. Well, yep. I don't blame him, Arnold. Take your money. We love you. <laughs> we do love you, Arnold. Come on, but yeah. All yeah. right, so Louis Sahoyas, right? Right. He he had an interesting um, story, and I loved how he got into it because I always wonder how the hell people get into documentaries. Are they always documentarians? Well, this guy was not. He was just a photographer hanging out with a billionaire that used to go on like boat trips, diving a lot, saw uh-huh. these dolphins, heard stories that they were getting fucked up, and... Uh, asked his billionaire friend, hey, will you pay for a documentary for me to make that I don't know how to make? Which I thought sure. was awesome. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And then he bumps into Steven Spielberg on a boat trip somewhere and says, hey, what advice do you have for somebody that wants to make a documentary uh, who's never done it before? And Steven Spielberg said two things. Don't do it on the ocean. And... I think don't use animals. So <laughs> it's like, all right, noted. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll do exactly that. I'll do awesome. exactly that. I will the, do. I will ignore Steven Spielberg. Well, and all of his advice. First impressions of that movie. Obviously, it was brutal. 
right? Brutal. It was brutal to watch. But w- what was your takeaway from it from way back? Did it make any changes or in the way that you think? Well, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Um, I mean, I was always a, a great... I've already been a kind of a great fan of marine life anyway. Um, since Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, where they saved the whales. Spoilers. And... Um, <laughs> You ruined that one. So yeah, sorry guys, sorry guys. The, for those of you who have who haven't seen it, it's been out since 1986. So get on. <laughs> um, it's the journey, not the destination. You know they're gonna, you know they're gonna save the whales. It's how they do it that's the interesting thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it was brutal. Uh, the the poaching practices, things like that. But to be perfectly honest, not a surprise. Not then, yeah. not now. I I was surprised at how uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was it was pretty gruesome. I mean, it was an absolute slaughter. I just yeah. never really thought about how yeah. it would be done. I didn't really realize. You know, I'd never thought about it. If somebody said how the people, you know, ca- I just figured it was fishing like anything else. Just nets, they get them, and mm-hmm. um, but when you're seeing the the faces almost i mean the yeah. dolphins are cute and you see their face and you see their eyes and you know that they're intelligent and then they just cram them in there and they know what's going on they know oh, that's yeah. not a fucking good day for them no they know it's yeah it's and it still goes on down. they still there's do some, this there's some scientists that want to classify dolphins as non-human persons they think they're on that level of intelligence same with whales they think they and i'm mean, shit even elephants they they all mourn they have um they problem solving skills they just happen to not have like opposable thumbs and stuff like that or thumbs at all in any way but um i, I worked on an interesting documentary of this woman that thinks humans need to stop being so, so classist about um, other animals it's just because they're different doesn't mean we're superior but then it always comes back to the uh the food chain it's like who gets to eat what but um nobody needs to eat dolphins yeah well the, there's a few reasons it's it's not even yeah. like you eat them and they you live forever i mean that right. would be more of a conundrum it would be like wow they are pretty smart but man do, are they man, delicious i mean live, supposedly right. not even that tasty of full of mercury Tons. and the way that they get them is is as brutal a thing as I mean it's it it just seems beneath us right now. It in is in the sense of it's a massacre, total massacre. Yeah. If it's... we invented a computer, right, uh-huh. that like an algo- like a really smart quantum computing system that could decipher language, and all of a sudden they can speak. Right. Let's say we could do it for many animals, though. Uh huh. Even cows. Sure. You, how much do you think that would change things for the average person? Because now what we're doing is we're like we're one hundred percent anthropomorphizing them. It's now like yes. a Disney movie. The animals can chat with us. They can speak. I mean, do you? Shit. Th- there would have to be a massive drop in in meat eating. I think you'd. I think so. I. I mean, at a certain point when. An animal can vocalize, please don't eat me. You're kind of like, ah, shit. Okay. It'll just, like, basically chat with you like a child. Right. You're well, like, I oh. mean, they, um, I mean, 
apes, chimpanzees have learned sign language. I mean, I mean, one of um, Jane Goodall's one of her famous um, apes that she would commune with um, on the apes' deadbe- deathbed said something like, um, "We're watching you. Nature is watching you, humanity." You know, something like that. It was it was very ominous, but it was like we know what you're doing. Like we're aware. We can't necessarily communicate it in words, but we know what's going on. There's another, there's a very famous Instagram account that my girlfriend got me onto. Um, the speech therapist, I believe she's speech therapist, speech pathologist, something along those lines. Um, she set up um, a communication device for her dog. It's a series of buttons that have different um, communications, um, like outside, hungry, tired, play, things like simple words. Um, the dog has learned to use, and here's the crazy thing: there was a because they lived by the beach, so there was a beach button. When the beach button broke, the dog went and touched the water and then outside button, water outside. So it had the it had the level of intelligence to understand synonyms, how to communicate past that. He's like, okay, beach doesn't work. Water outside. Those are those two things that still communicates what I'm trying to get. I mean, that's that's an interesting cognitive skill and something I think we might not grant canines that much credit for. So, I mean, even those little steps, I think we would make, you know, it's definitely showing that animals can commu- communicate probably a little better than we thought they could. And yeah, if was a com- and if there was a computer, if there was like a universal translator from, you know, like, Star Trek Four, um, and animals could speak to us. I definitely think it would change. It would change the game pretty, pretty hard. Did you just watch Star Trek Four? I've always just watched Star Trek Four. It's one of my <laughs> okay. favorite movies. <laughs> I watched. They I showed it to my girlfriend have, like a month ago. They must have done this with dolphins, right? They must have like the button test because dolphins could do that. They could push. They could it. do anything. They're really intelligent. Well, they can't do sign language. Well, they can't because they don't have the ability to. Exactly. Might, but um, I bet you could teach them communication, somehow type of communication, and they would be able to do it. Yeah, if they like teach them 50 buttons, and then they yeah. can put stuff together. I, I've got a sneaky feeling, though, that they'd just be pushing the I want fish one all the time, <laughs> even though they could do far more complex things. They're like, listen, I'm really sick of talking to these monkeys, so I'm God. just going to get as much fish as possible. You better believe it. They'd fool us. They'd be like, we, <clears throat> these idiots think the only word we know is fish. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah. that would be a game changer, I think. But, the, but anything, once you put like a little helmet on them and they can make words, uh, it would that would be a lot harder. You, you'd have to change the way that you think about things. Hopefully uh, they don't get so good at doing that, they can stick it on a carrot and they start talking. We're like, fuck, what do we even eat now? Oh my god. There's even thought that there's um, communication on some type of level between plants. Um, yeah. Things well, like we'd that. we'd just have to find a harmony with it. We'd have to be like, okay. Well, listen, and that's the thing. I, I think you do have to find harmony. I mean, there is... I mean, lion don't lion doesn't care about the gazelle. The gazelle cries out. The lion's like, "I'm hungry as fuck," and so there is. But that there's a balance in nature. It's a natural order of things. They, you know, hunters go after the old and the young, the ones that can't survive and reproduce. Those are the ones that go. It actually strengthens 
that pack on a genetic level and that species on a genetic level it works towards bettering the ecosystem so there is a balance to that um but uh but yeah i think it would definitely well the problem with us though and why that cove documentary so gross is that there's just so many of us right so they haven't they probably haven't always hunted the dolphins exactly this way but as and i'm not sure but as the population (laughs) and the demand just got so big they're like jesus okay we're fishermen we need money we need a lot of these things let's just get them all over there you know one or two isn't enough anymore we just gotta herd them in and right. it's like the factory farming yep. of these animals, yep. so, you know. And it's easy, I think, to sit there and just blame th- these fishermen, right? Because, but but you, they've probably desensitized the shit out of themselves. Oh, without and, a doubt. Yeah, no doubt. The very first time they saw things similar to this, they thought, "Whoa, this is pretty fucked up too." I don't know how you wouldn't, right? But when that's your job. Maybe there's no work for miles around. You're like, eh. It's true. I mean, some people got to do it to survive. And some people are greedy fucks. Can't discount that either. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the fucking ivory traders in Africa, you know, they're pieces <laughs> of shit. They're pieces they should of shit. definitely get new jobs. Definitely get new jobs. Start a podcast about how you used to be an ivory trader and now you don't want to anymore. Is probably going to pick up some speed go, pretty quick. Go off like gangbusters, guaranteed. That's it. Come back the other way. We'll One be thing guests. that they talked about, Louis talked about, that I thought was fascinating. I never heard this. He talked about the whale sounds, right? So obviously, yeah. you know, he cares about all marine life. And <clears throat> after the cove has learned a ton about it. But he said that they, the whales, how they can communicate, before there were a lot of ships on the ocean... They could communicate almost all the way around the world. Their sound wow. would travel on this on this level of sea, right? So it wasn't right at the top or super deep. There's like a portion of it where the temperature allows the sound to just kind of bounce, almost like in a sine wave. And when there were no other um, motored boats and large tankers that make a lot of noise that kind of fuck up their sound they could communicate with each other um almost endlessly through the ocean and that's basically like having the internet forever yeah i can't even get t-mobile signal in my garage (laughs) that's amazing but now they can't really do it as well there's too many boats so it's fucking them up humans man right Electric boats. That's what we need. It'll happen. Elon had sold this out for. for it's gonna those, have uh, to. We're, we're gonna run out of gasoline one day. It's gonna. Happen. <laughs> we're gonna run out. <laughs> I mean, we're going to. <laughs> this, it's just not an infinite resource. Yeah, but what what an incredible thing that is! Imagine if you could just chat with people, from, you know, other people from wherever, and you've always been able to do it. That's such an incredible system. That is an amazing <laughs> system. I never knew that. All right, they get into the the whole SeaWorld thing, right? Yep. Have you been to SeaWorld before? No, never been. You never been? No, never wanted to. What are your thoughts on not a, SeaWorld and that whole Well, they of- were abusing. You know, they were abusing the animals. You know, I mean, there there's definitely a difference between um ref uh, you know, a conservation or a ref 
not refugee, they, you know, what, they're not refugees, but like a conservation or a rehabilitation place where they take animals in from the wild that were injured or something and they nurse like them Like a back rescue to center? Yeah, a rescue center. That's one thing. But like, I've never been a big fan of zoos and never been a big fan of uh, SeaWorld. I'm like, I, I, it, it's one thing if they couldn't, they can't live outside captivity because they were raised in captivity kind of thing. That's one thing. Or if they were brought in as a cub and nursed or they need constant veterinary care thing that's one thing but just these animals for show it's not it's not how they're supposed to live and it's simply and purely for our amusement entirely and that i just don't mm, i just don't love that not a fan yeah, not a fan i'd never i i hadn't really thought about zoos in that i never really liked the idea of the whales and things in a captivity but just because obviously they need so much more room and that's yeah. brutal. Yeah. Some things like zoos, though, I always felt like there was, at least for many of the animals, that it was probably very beneficial just because from the lack of stress, they're not going to get hunted and they get just food given to them. But it's also so easy to just look at it in a different light and be like, well, it's kind of a prison. Um, yeah. But there's also the education factor. I mean, if you're talking like inner city kids, isn't it? beneficial in some way for for you know kids to that would never have the chance to see these animals to get to enjoy them and like hopefully kind of fall in love with them and therefore be more inclined to work with conservation because they get I, to see it yeah there's definitely um i mean i think there's that's a definite benefit to that but i think there are other ways to go about that um well i like Jane, what you said about the, the rescue centers in yeah, the re- sense of if they're only in there for a short period of time until they get healthy again, you as long as you are continually finding ones that need help and transporting mm-hmm. them, you should be able to keep a pretty stocked inventory, yet Absolutely. nobody's imprisoned. Um, Jane Goodall has a wonderful charity called Roots and Shoots, and um, they started in Tanzania. And it was an effort to get the local community to become involved in conservation. Cause she was very, she was very aware of the idea of this posh British white woman coming into an African country and telling them that they're doing everything wrong was probably not the best way to go about it. And they found that involving the culture, the local community into these conservation efforts and particularly Starting when they're very young, so going into the elementary schools, or I guess they're called primary schools or over there, really getting the kids involved and really getting that ingrained in their psyche. So it kind of like goes along what you're talking about. There are those efforts. It was always about um, being one with nature and um, harmonizing with nature. And it also used like these were animals that were being rehabilitated it was a nature reserve there's no captivity of any kind um so that go- kind of goes along with that so if you guys are interested look up roots and shoots it's jane goodall's roots and shoots. Uh, yeah jane goodall's <coughs> we'll put a link charity. we'll put a link in there for roots yeah. and shoots it's one of the charities Sounds i give to very nice it's good yeah. they, uh, uh, they jump to climate change because you really can't talk about one area of environmental no. stuff without getting to the largest impact. And when it comes to shit in the ocean um, and the coral reefs and all the rest of it, I mean, it's some of the biggest indicators of the temperature changing. Absolutely. And then they connect that to climate change. And one thing they talked about is Louis 
has traveled all over the world, talked to many different countries, and he's just saying, really, the everyone's aware of it. All the other countries, for the most part, are, and it's, again, the U.S., you know, largely. We're, we're the ones that... Just, yep. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to see it. And it's funny hearing that, because I remember growing up in England, um, you know, that there was really only one voice of that. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, it's a country we all disagree about, lots of different things, uh, just like anywhere else. But there were certain things that there was just like, <clears throat> this is what's happening. That, yeah. That's what the scientific community thinks. Mm-hmm. We understand it. We need to make some changes. It'll take a while. There's always the economic pushback. But it wasn't like the large oil companies were stepping in saying, no, 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 all this is bullshit. They were just constantly saying, well, we're, we're trying to make changes. We understand mm-hmm. that we're moving slowly. That was like BP's message. Right. It's interesting because their message here is not the same. They understand that they can pander to this large group of individuals that don't Absolutely. believe in the yep. system. And they, you um, know. I mean, they knew in this, Exxon knew in the 70s that there was, um, that climate change was beginning. There was a report that was published. It was I can't remember. It was either 71 or 77. I can't remember. Exxon knew that there were dramatic changes happening in the ice caps. Um, and there was an internal memo about, like, these things are happening and this is going to, you know, this is going to affect things in the future. And then, but because they have a vested interest in fossil fuels being uh, consumed, they squashed that and they put out what, and this author, and I can't remember her name, um, there's a book called Merchants of Doubt, and it's about hiring lobbyists that simply go around and sow doubt amongst the populace, so amongst the masses. Just they introduce skepticism, things like that, with buzzwords and things that don't even make sense, simply to keep the status quo available. They they offer themselves up as the alternative, the other side of the argument. When in actual science isn't really, I mean. When we talk about science, arguments are always, they're tests. It's always, you take a theory or a hypothesis, and you test it, and you test it, and when and the results you get back, they're just the results. Somebody doesn't come along and say, well, I disagree with your data. Like, it's just like, that's the data, you know what I mean? It's mm. kind of nuts. It's So the only, the only people that are saying it, the only place it's in question is the court of public opinion but the data is the data like we look right. we see the the earth is warming we see the uh, temperatures going up scientists so the, the idea the temperature is going up so scientists look at it and they go okay what observable data do we have what do we know scientifically that would cause this rise in temperature you exhaust all your options until you come to the conclusion that and we have a certain parts per million or billion of carbon in the air. We know the more carbon that goes into the air, the more they trap those gases. And then we're able to create an equation that said, once we get to this certain number of carbon per parts per million in the air, that is when we start trapping greenhouse gases. I believe it's 350. I could be wrong. We're, I think we're around 370, 380 right now. I think 400 is what they say is it, it's the tipping point. It's over. Once we get to 400 parts per, per million, we're done. Like, there's well, no... We're going to be in trouble. Oh, we're going to be in trouble. Like, I'm... <clears throat> it, it's a done deal. Like, I don't... You, I just can't see. You'd have to... 
I think you'd have to plant something like a forest six times the Amazon rainforest to consume the level of carbon that we have. They'd the, probably uh, get down to like some genius like Elon. I always bring it back to him, but he's easy to just choose. To Making absorb some carbon, sort of yeah. giant, yeah, some uh, some carbon scrubber. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's an important distinction, I think, because I'm all for people having differing opinions. It's it's important, sure. you know, and that that dialogue is fine. But when but when you're held up, and the rest of the world is like, look, this is happening, right? right. This is we at least acknowledge it, um, and they kind of keep that dialogue going in the U.S. The 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 people that are anti climate change see it in a way of like, look, not everyone thinks this. Well, of course, everyone in the rest of the world does. That's, right. that's something that needs to be understood when you're taking this side. And then really just ask yourself why you're picking this point. Like, how, how are you getting this information? Because people money, stand money. by it like it's their religion. Well, and they it is. have no science background. They don't even, they're not even researching it at all. No, and when not. you break down where they got it from, it's like Fox News or somewhere. Yep. It's not even yeah. coming from a very good source. I'm like, why are you choosing this as the hill that you die on? It's like that doesn't even make sense to the rest of your ideologies. It just no, seems it like not. a strange one. Right? I don't know. Such a weird hill to die on because, by the way, you will die. Like, like we'll fuck the earth up so bad. And the economic effects when everybody starts having to move inland. You think we have refugee problems now? Just wait. Just wait until all of Florida wants to move into Alabama and Georgia. Damn. Right. I mean, it's a, it's true. And the we're so short-sighted. We're so short-sighted and we're hanging on to some ideology, some belief that is just ridiculous. And some of it's religious. Some people don't believe that the I mean, people will literally say God promised he wouldn't flood the earth again, so I'm not worried about rising sea levels. It's like, well, bitch, the sea levels are rising, so maybe say a prayer and ask for a little clarification. That's a tough one to argue against. Usually of if I hear that, I'm like, we need to talk about something else. Yeah, we're done. I, got I don't know. I got nothing I to offer. What. what kind of breaks it down, though, and is a shame, is all the predictions are way off. I mean, you even go back to Al Gore's movie that was, I think, in like shortly after 2000. Mm-hmm. He predicted that like even by now, things would be much worse. And... Mainly that's just because our prediction... It's hard to predict, right? So, like, look at the weather. They can't even predict what it's going to be next week. Of course not. So for them to have guessed where it would be just shows that the Earth has more buffer systems and better ways of dealing with it. But again, it's only to a point. Everything has still raised. The temperatures... Uh, oh, absolutely. The melting, you know, the, ice the carbon are, levels. Ice caps are melting at a precipitous rate. They, I mean, they were... There was... They were above, I believe that there was a report about the South Pole being above freezing in the winter. Uh, oh, this, I heard that, yeah. That was crazy. There's, wh- how? How could it possibly be that warm? <laughs> Do you think we can how? vacation there soon? Absolutely. It'll be, li- it'll be like back when it was Pangea. <laughs> it was all because they found all tropical fossils because, you know, it was Pangea. Yeah. Um, well, you yeah, know, dude. the... The Earth will be fine. There is, I think it's slowly slipping out, though. It's, it I has think it to. is. Well, I mean, it, you're starting to see... When it gets worse, people are going to back off from it because it just is a shame that it's 
taking as long as it is. Well, it's was... almost like everybody decided to just stick up for the tobacco companies or something right. all of a sudden. Exactly. It's like it's a strange hill to die on. Um, yeah. yeah, you saw it in polling in North Carolina after all those hurricanes hit. There, um, the belief in climate change went up pretty significantly. Because they were like, we haven't seen shit like this before. Like, I mean, every year we break a goddamn weather record. It's it's like it's like the home run chase with steroids. It's like every yeah. fucking year we just break a new heat record or a new hurricane record or a new damage record. It's ridiculous. Do you think also the belief that God hates them went up too? Oh yeah, probably. There was there was that. There were those sides. They were like, no, we just we're we're just not behaving. We're not behaving. Uh, certainly. I'm sure there's some fire and brimstone. And you can't reach them, but you don't need to reach them. You need to reach the ones that won't believe that. <laughs> Something that stood out that Louis mentioned, and I've heard and I, we've all heard, is the mercury in fish, right? Yes. So the biomagnification. And as far as I understand it from when I was in college, it's just it's uh, really like an exponential growth rate. So the smaller marine life plankton and so forth they eat little bits of whatever they're eating and uh they get some mercury in some of these toxins mm-hmm. and things like mercury have a long half-life uh louis was saying it's like 90 days i didn't check it but okay. you know as you keep adding it it's going to stay in your system for a very long time sure i mean to get half of it out if you've completely stopped is 45 days so it sounds like okay well it's 45 then it's 22 and a half then it's right basically 11 and da da da. but that's only if you completely stop so as you move up in the food chain they eat so many of these krill or plankton Mm -hmm. and then they're eating something eats the smaller fish and so on you've got tuna and salmon that a lot of us eat Right. Uh, we love to go get some sushi and eat that. And you hear, like, eat more fish. Like, salmon is healthy. Like, it has the good oils in. Yeah, they have omega-3s. The, the rates of mercury inside them is really getting to the point. Or maybe it always was, and I was just completely unaware of it. But it it's like you just shouldn't eat these fish almost at all. And I would love Jeez. to get more understanding on, like, is it just straight up that we should just not eat them? Like, what are the benefits? Are you right. Is some of these omegas worth putting some mercury in your system? Like, well, I feel like that's something that fucking, you know, the Center for Disease Control, the FDA, should tell us more clearly. About. Right? I agree. It, I don't know. I mean, man, they, 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 you know, all these things, all these agencies are constantly fighting to still ban marijuana. And I'm like, okay, but... Can we fucking eat this fish or what? What's right. <laughs> it's about can we? Can I have my goddamn sushi roll? Can I have my spicy tuna, please? <laughs> and and that's that's a good talking about like food and what to eat is really a good transition into the Chris Cresser podcast. Mm-hmm. Now Chris Cresser, if you look into his background, he he's done some good things in the in the world of health. He's like a paleo eater. Paleo is like. Um, not necessarily low carb, but it's but it's um, just the idea of like eating like in the Paleolithic times. Though it's I don't know how accurate they even know that we ate back then. But you know, it's meats, it's vegetables, it's keeping sugars low, it's, and, yeah, uh, hormone free. You, you know, there were no French fries back then, so you're not eating exactly. Those. Yeah, there was no they, potatoes. They didn't get the joys no of corn. French fries. 
Mm-mm. So he came on to talk about the documentary that James Cameron just did called Game Changers, which is now on Netflix, and I watched that. And uh, it is it is an interesting documentary, just the way that they put it together, right? But it's very, uh, what's the word, Hollywoodized? Of course. It's, it just, you know, they want to hit you with shock value. And a lot of the studies that they kind of talked about, they... I think it's important they didn't make it too science heavy because maybe that weighs people down. They don't want to see all of that. They're just hoping that these people have done their due diligence and it's truthful. Right. But a lot of it came down to, oh, we fed them vegan burritos one day and some of their cholesterol levels went down or they got harder erections. And then the next day we gave them meat uh, burritos and those levels went up again. And that's not a very good way to do science. Yeah, that's a pretty... I mean, that's very anecdotal. By the way, I've never had erection problems while eating meat. So, Well, there we go. Case closed. But maybe if you had more bean burritos, it would change. <laughs> I don't think I'd get laid if I ate bean burritos. <laughs> they could be like, I'm too <laughs> yeah, gassy. Right. I'm too gassy. They didn't add that into the equation. They should have. They, they should, should have. have. But- but that's the real question. It's like he's come on, and his qualifications aside, I mean, I think he's like an acupuncturist, believes in Eastern medicine. For, so there's sure, plenty sure. of questions there to like really <laughs> like it, it, even his own background and credibility. But he does seem very thorough with the way that he put his information together. And what I liked is during the podcast, you can go – he there's – um, it's chriscressa.co slash game changers. And even on Joe's podcast description, he put the link at the bottom. So if you are interested, you can awesome. go look up these studies and put it together, which at the same time, there wasn't, there wasn't an equal and opposite link to all the research in that documentary, which is a little suspicious. Hmm. I don't like it when they do that. I don't like, either. You're trying to make a scientific point. You're trying to make a point that is saying this can save your life, but you're not necessarily sh- backing it up. Like, not really. Not, no, they're not. Not in a very good way. I mean, that wouldn't be accepted in, in the scientific community. No. Maybe it works for documentaries. Maybe that's enough for people. They're like, oh, well, no, but I mean, it is healthy and we do know meat's bad. But we're like, hold on. Why? How do we know this? Right. How do you know this? And how can you be sure? Exactly. They talk a little bit about, like, in the documentary, like how our teeth for the most part are kind of flat all the way around at the back, yeah. which is indicative of like, you know, chewing grains and vegetables and stuff like that, which yeah is entirely possible. I mean, that's what those teeth are for, but also we've been cooking meat for a long time. We have, we canines, don't have to tear though. it off the bone, but we have canines. We're clearly omnivores. Well, like they kind of downplayed those. Like I, I guess ours aren't very pronounced. So, but we still have it, them. Oh, we do. Yeah, we do. But what they're saying is it maybe even is a very small portion of our diet should be meat. Mm. You know, it's one of those. But every athlete in the movie, right, that they they show, they show like a power lifter, obviously. They had somebody like triathlons. Mm. Um, They had uh, some endurance, like speed bike lady um, and even MMA fighters. Well, the one that like was in the movie all throughout, just kind of narrating it. But mm-hmm. the issue there I have was none of them were born vegan, lived their right. whole lives as a vegan, and were now at the very top of their sport. I think they all, 
as far as I know, switched over, which does make you think that maybe there's a developmental portion of time where you want to eat um, higher calorie, nutrient denser foods like meat uh-huh. to build your bones, to get all the minerals in. You get to this point of strength. And then it is possible that for some people at a point, they start to get diminishing returns to where if they do turn maybe vegan or they're just removing certain products from their diet, which really just comes down to like elimination diet stuff, right. which is often very effective. I mean, you can put people on fasts and all their a lot of their blood levels start to stabilize, especially their yeah. glycemic index, their sugar levels. But it doesn't mean you can't just not eat food forever. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, God, no. You've just slowed it down. But then these people go on, do this vegan diet, and then they're getting these better results. I'd be far more interested, and it would be far more compelling to me, if they had a group study of people that were always vegan, had never eaten these right. meat and animal products, and were at the top of their game, and it wasn't just these select few. Mm-hmm. Or even if you that- saw, if, even if you did your um, your two different groups, like take two different groups of athletes, one of one group stays on a meat and protein diet for a year, the other goes vegan. Then compare your results at the end of the year. I think a year's a long enough time. Well, they did that with the with that football team that was in the uh, movie, okay. and they had. So I can't remember. I just know nothing about the football team. Titans, maybe. Oh yeah, the but Titans. Yeah, they were like they had terrible seasons, and then one of the players' wives started making vegan meals for one of the players. It, all his buddies, teammates, started to see this, and mm. now I think they have like eighteen players that are all plant-based and their anecdotal story is that they feel stronger they recovering better and the team has been like doing significantly better now that is something to consider i mean that's not a terrible point no not at all but how long do you have to look at it and remember these guys are already super athletes yeah that once again had spent their entire lives while developing and growing building up on a meat based diet like they got to the point of being the very best doing this and now you're sure maybe they're adding to it and making it better but is it sustainable could you do it from childhood right could you get to that point of massive strength just eating this way they didn't they didn't really explain that Hmm. uh, which was a little bit of an issue the other stuff that chris got into was he basically cited a lot of different studies that said that the greenhouse gas emissions isn't as high as they made out in the documentary, that the use, that the amount of water that it takes to make, um, you know, a pound of beef isn't really thousands of times higher than what it would take to make a pound of almonds. You know, there's there's a lot mm. of other factors in there. It's hard to know, right? This is what he's saying. Right, I wouldn't necessarily say it's his opinion. At least he found some research that backed it right but there's truth there somewhere in the middle of something and it's and it's kind of frustrating when they just say straight up look meat is a thousand times worse than this other thing just for the amount of water that they're using i really would like to know i wish that they could come together and be like all right this is the study this is the study that says how much it is because there's just so much cherry picking going on and it it's 
a little concerning to me because there's a huge movement in England right now for people going vegan. My mm. younger brother's vegan. Two of my closest friends, when I went back last Christmas, had turned vegan. Huh. And a, a buddy of mine that owns a gym, who's a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, just started eating vegan because Arnold was in this movie. Interesting. Is he? Is Arnold vegan? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, f- I think that he's been eating more plant-based foods I see. recently. But, I mean, he hasn't. His whole life, he just pounded meat and became... You know, the greatest physical specimen, specimen of his on time. The, yeah, he was just about like no sweets, no sugars, none of that shit. Just eat, eat healthy. Yeah, that but was he ate big, a lot of meat. He was a big meat guy. He did. So now he's, he, you know, maybe he is on this, or maybe he was just doing James Cameron a favor Could because be. they're don't, all buddies. Don't you think genetics probably plays a bit of a part in it too? I mean, and just in terms of like the way we've developed i mean there's that one there's that blood type diet where based on you know your blood type based on you know where you your ancestry is from whether you're nordic whether you're african whether you're from the east whether you're from the from like south america they evolved eating different types of foods and then there's always so that idea is that so if you're like a b plus or a plus or whatever you should eat fish and chicken and if you're from this area of the world you probably should eat more meat because you were you know th- the people that came from those areas evolved eating that type of food i don't know but you got to think there's at least some genetic component to it right well you'd want to believe it right uh, but at the same time it sounds a little simplistic of a breakdown because you get all different blood types in all if in the well, same of course. area I mean, too, you get it. Yeah, the so world therefore, is it like it, this? This almost sounds a bit like doing your horoscopes a little bit to me. Well, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think this is much the like horoscopes, but I mean, I definitely think there's an idea to the fact that if you come, <clears> let's say that's the Nordic culture. So if you, uh, you know, if you primarily came from a Nordic culture, that you know, that civilization over thousands of years evolved, and they were eating mainly fish. So is that something that your body? tolerates far better than something that would be foreign because the way genetics the way um the mutations work is that the the mutations that happen and the people that survive you know that's fitness they move on to the next generation and so on and so forth and the people that die with those mutations those mutations don't move on so if the people are getting added benefits from eating fish and they continue to survive, but the group that doesn't eat the fish or they eat the chicken or whatever, they don't survive. you got to think that that genetic line thrives better on fish because that's how they've evolved. You know what I mean? But that makes that makes sense. That's different, though, than what you're saying because if you then you're saying, right, we take every type of Nordic person and right. it may, it, it's logical. You should try and eat like the food was. Right. Where your ancestors are from, but you get all the blood types in every area. It, they, well, true. We're like a, we're a huge Nordics melting pot. Primarily, this blood type, and well, I don't know if they it, they might know. have. I don't know. They might have. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't gotta, know. You got to think that um, blood type was probably more specific before uh, mass migrations. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. 
Yeah, I don't. I think it var- I think it varies. It's just one of those. But I think um, that was genetic. what the research was based on. It was like blood type hmm. because blood type is specific to a region, or it used to be. But I could be yeah, completely I, wrong. I would have to look into that. It, to, right. it, it just sounds like a book somebody wrote that sounded good. Oh, I'm sure it was a. I mean, it was a big diet like <clears throat> ten years ago. It was the blood type diet. Huh. Yeah. But again, exactly. It's like where. Mm-hmm. How the fuck are we supposed to wade through this realistically and find right. good information? Which is why it gets controversial when people make a documentary like this because there are ways to make them and put the best information in. Like, of what course. are you trying to do when you make one? Do you want everyone to watch it? Which, really, at the end of the day, everything is about making money so you can make your next documentary. So, yeah, you should want everyone to watch it, but do you have to have everyone to believe it? And if your other thing is to make everyone believe it mm-hmm. isn't the best way to represent yourself to make it as scientifically grounded as possible sure. instead of a bunch of interesting anecdotal stories and ancient myths one thing they brought up and and joe and chris talked about on the podcast is that this mma fighter that was narrating it f- did some research and found out that the gladiators back in rome would eat mostly plant-based mm. diet and this is how they got their strength. And this is, you know, he was kind of touting it like they figured out the best way to live and eat and be strong. But Chris and Joe pointed out that, well, wait a minute. They were slaves. Yeah, they were slaves. Did they figure it to out? Fight to the, the, mm. Yeah, they probably were just not given the best food. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. they were just carb loading like prisoners so they could be chubby, heavy, mm-hmm. and sustain stab wounds. Because they got a ton of blubber. Yeah. It's, and they weren't they, designed to live long. No. So who gave a shit? I don't it think they like, figured out shit. <laughs> I think they got what they got. That's not compelling to me. No, At least zero. That, that just was a bit of a red flag. Uh, also, okay. how could you possibly confirm that information? How could you possibly confirm the records of the eating habits of gladiators? Like, come on. <laughs> come yeah. on. I, I don't know. I guess that he could do like some maybe some bone tests or something. I don't know. I don't know how they got that information. Yeah. Some of the other studies were frustrating because they took people that were on regular diets, eating meat, smoking and drinking, gave them a vegan diet and said how healthy they were and their heart disease went down. But they didn't really make a point about the fact that they had stopped smoking and drinking which uh, I think is super disingenuous completely. when you're doing a study. It's like keep them smoking and drinking and make them vegan. Right. That That's a way to show it. Mm-hmm. You know, or start with a group of meat eaters that didn't drink and smoke and then turn them vegan. It's a tainted test. You can't, you can't, Why would just, yeah, you can't eliminate things and add things. You can't tell what the results are. That's I crap. think the more frustrating this documentary thing to sounds me like is, shit. <laughs> it's not fuck this. Documentary. I don't know. It's uh, it raises questions. We're talking about it. That's good. And I have friends that train with me at jujitsu, and I'm always winding them up about being vegan. And sometimes my buddy Rodrigo, like we're going to battle, and he just whisper to me, "Don't let a vegan beat you." Just to like wind <laughs> up, and he he always kicks my ass because he's a absolute beast, and he's in good shape, feels good. You know, I talk with him a lot. Like, he, you know, it's not like he's a depressive person. There's nothing. He seems like a very healthy individual. So I'm always curious, which is why 
it's so frustrating to me to watch something like this and i'm like you know what this this documentary could have easily persuaded me to at least give it a shot but it just didn't it wasn't compelling enough and it it was a little frustrating i'm like i'm thinking hold on could you not find enough really good data to support your end so you have to pick these like shitty examples yeah which makes me think that there's less to it well that's that's too bad i don't know that's too bad it's frustrating very frustrating now i grew up a vegetarian i don't know if you've ever tried it mark but the first 14 years of my life basically until i moved to america Mm -hmm. and i was living in new mexico there was no vegetarian restaurants that i knew of and i realized that i'd been living on french fries for like a week because i didn't know what else to eat um in the end i just gave in and from then on i never really looked back i've just eaten meat sure and had different rates of like shittier diets and as i've got older i've tried to eat better you have to you slow down you can eat anything when you're like 15 <laughs> yep um, boy that God. boy did i found out the, the hundreds hard way. and thousands of gallons of of mountain dew that i've consumed in my life Ew. I mean, that that alone Ew. <laughs> shows how robust we can be but you know i've often thought about that in the sense of sure i was eating eggs and cheese uh so it wasn't vegan but you know how much was i getting enough of the proteins like was i i'm not a short person i'm six three so i at least grew but were there other aspects to uh bone density or like just general nutrition that i was missing out on because i wasn't getting any sorts of meat products and Uh, it's something possible to to consider yeah i mean developmentally you'd think that would be something because again we're omnivores they that would be something that should be introduced to the body and it's a loose analogy but they say never raise your animals your pets like your dogs or cats vegan like and i've met people that do that like no they're carnivores completely you have to give them protein in the form of meat you have to it can create serious cats go blind i both fucking believe it man absolutely i believe it Mm. Well, at least humans don't, so it's obviously True. a little better for us. Mm, like, we're not you. going blind. But you see people and, you get know, anemic. It's not like the vegans go on. You see people get uh, you see people get anemic though. I mean, the, that was a big thing with vegetarianism and veganism. People horrible mm. anemia. You know what I mean? The vitamin B twelve issue was always a thing too, because that's one of the major precursors to making serotonin, and then they've connected like uh, vegetarianism, veganism with like. Uh, types of depression but something chris brought up that was quite interesting and i'd heard about it is vitamin b12 has um many other uh, important roles in the body and when you're very low on it there's some major issues for uh your heart and uh, mm-hmm. just quite a lot of other processes and that's something i thought about because i never took any sort of b12 supplement growing up sure and i wonder where primarily my b12 was coming from it's good i don't know question. how much is in cheese and eggs um so it was interesting i wish i could remember back better to how i felt i mean that would have been a good study in itself but you're so young and you're so emotional i'm like was i depressed my whole childhood like what like, <laughs> yes you were I but no you attributed yeah, it to was, the yeah, Brit- to the english weather but no he <laughs> could do that, yeah, lack of... It wasn't that, it was my diet. Well. Yeah. A bad example that 
they were giving and a few people gave is one of the big power lifters on there was talking about he was like oh you want to be as strong as an ox have you ever seen an ox eating meat and that is just a really dumb thing to say well yeah i mean stegosauruses were fucking vegetarians they were you know whatever the word is not uh plant eater you know plantosaurus they 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 fuck your life up all they did was eat plants jesus christ what an asinine argument that pisses me off this is the other one was guy protecting uh the rhinos that military dude who was a badass obviously eating meat his whole life now he's getting older he was kind of heavier in the in the movie anyway which i thought was interesting for a plant-based diet i'm like why is he kind of like for all the exercise he's doing he looks a little overweight i mean he's like stocky massive dude but um he's saying look i'm protecting these animals and he's like look you look at a gorilla and they don't eat any meat but i'm like hold on they eat one they eat their own shit that's something i know gorillas eat their own shit <laughs> yep and supposedly it's to get vitamin b12 because mm. they can't get it from anything else they have to wait till their gut flora turn the food stuffs and produce b12 and then they either poop and then they right. just eat 40 pounds of fucking leaves a day it's like how are you gonna do that <laughs> exactly it's you you can't just say strength i want the strength of this animal so I'll do exactly what it does. No. Well, you know, lions are pretty fucking strong too. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend just eating like raw dead gazelles. No. Oh uh, yeah, they do the, the. They've done themselves a disservice with this documentary. I haven't watched it. A little, and, I, and I'm not gonna. Yeah. But uh, they definitely <laughs> sounds like they've done a disservice to themselves. Yeah, I mean, I I only did because you know we're gonna sit and talk about it but sometimes with the these little breakdowns that we do i'm like hold on a minute i've got i'm listening to joe's one and now i've got to go read a book i'm like oh this is a little much i know right five podcasts a week but i I can manage it i wanted to put it in and you know there's going to be people listening that you know maybe have some health issues and they have thought about going vegan and and you know you you want to try and pass along as much of the info that you got from it or at least our opinions there's definitely a middle ground in here but people need to represent themselves better this is almost like we were saying about the climate change you could make a silly i mean the documentary on that would be anti-climate change that would be set up in the same way as this vegan one would be as little as being like Oh, so uh, how do you find this summer? And they're like, you know what? It's not even that hot. And it was pretty cold this winter. So I'm going to conclude that there's no climate change. Right. That seems to be as in-depth as half of these studies went. It was like one day change. It was like, what was it? How did you feel on a week of eating vegan? Oh, I felt better and all my blood levels dropped. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, because there was a snow because there was a snowball in January. That means the war- Earth isn't getting warmer. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those assholes. It's a little frustrating. I, I'd like frustrating. to hear from. I'd like to hear from anyone listening. Send us an email if you have been vegan, thought about being vegan, what you thought of this documentary. Uh, hit us up at uh, Joe Rogan Experience Review at Gmail dot com. You can always check us out on Instagram same handle but without the gmail and let us know it's always good to get some feedbacks and and maybe we're we'll touch on this later and see 
Yeah. It's we'll see. But anyway, that's about us for today. Thanks as always for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, and guys. Thank you, Mark. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs>